Yes, you said it right. Good morning, Live Spring. So, um, as you said, I'm Brayden. I'm the intern here. Um, I can tell that most of you are afraid of me because the first two rows, besides Dan, Kyla, and my wife, you got me, but the first two rows are always empty. You guys are scared of me. It's fine. Um, is it good to be in the house of the Lord today, right? Good to be in the house of the Lord. That's what we're talking about today. But before I get into today's passage, I have a question for you guys. I don't want you to be ashamed. I want you to be truthful and honest. How many of you guys who are grandparents or parents, maybe at one point, have lost your children before? Maybe in the store, maybe somewhere. Have just lost track of your kid? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. You are all terrible parents. How dare you do that? What kind of parents? I'm just kidding. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We are fine. Um, I'm just joking. But it's okay because that happens. And even we're looking today, Mary and Joseph, they lost Jesus. We know this story. They lost him. But at least when you lost your kid, you weren't losing the Messiah, right? So there is that benefit of saying, okay, at least I'm not losing him. (laughs) So let's pray. Let's jump into it. Well, Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity. You've graced me with just to come and preach in front of these amazing people. God, I pray that you give me the grace to get out of the way, God, that you would speak through me. You don't want to hear from me. I don't want to hear from me, God. I want to hear from you. Um, Lord, I want to open our ears and eyes to what you're speaking to us, what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, now if you want to turn to your Bibles or look at the screen, we're looking at Luke 2, 41 through 52 today. So every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was with the company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in his temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went up to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. So I want to break this down a little bit. I want to go through a little bit of background, what we're talking about. Um, So I'm going to talk about Passover. It says they went up for year every year. Mary and Joseph went up for Passover, the custom of what that is. and so that's a festival they have, the Jewish festival. They celebrate Passover, um, and they're there for, it's a week long, and they're supposed to travel to Jerusalem for it. Well, originally, um, it's only really required for men to go up, but you just see the devotion that Mary has with, with how devote she is to God and the Jewish customs. She's going up with him. She doesn't care. It's supposed to be men. She's just going. So they're all going down, um, and it says Jesus went with them. We don't know if it's his first time or if he's been before. It doesn't really say. Um, but there's many thoughts on that and different kind of traditions they would see with that. Now, this is what it would be. Um, Jesus was 12. So as we know, when Jewish boys turn 13, they would become, in their eyes, men, which means they would take on the full yoke of the law. So they would now, instead of their parents, and this whole time the parents, the father, would be teaching their kids, teaching their parents, teaching their son how, okay, this is the way the law works. This is what the Bible says. This is the scriptures you should memorize. And then when they're 13, it's okay, now... It's your job to be obedient. It's your, you've taken on the full yoke of the law. 
And so there, there's many thoughts. Maybe Jesus went up there at 12, and maybe it was early for preparation for next year. Maybe it was, he was just learning because he was going to go up and take his kind of test, I like to call it. It said the teachers would question him and ask him questions and scriptures, and they would test them at the age of 13 up in Jerusalem. And so maybe he was up there training. Maybe he got it done early. But what either it was, he went up with his parents for Passover um, to get prepared for that process. But I mean, I... And, and then with that, um, when they were in the temple, they could only, usually, well, they would, the Jewish that traveled, the Jews that traveled, Mary and Joseph traveled 80 miles to get to Jerusalem from Nazareth. And I have a picture up there, um, just a little map, if you could turn to that. So, uh, as you can see, they would go around Samaria, because, as we know, Jews and Samar- Samaritans didn't get along, so they would walk around, and that's a long journey, 80 miles. 80 miles. It took them three days. What? Could you imagine how devout they were to their God to walk that far? Like, um, like I don't like walking that far. I mean, if, if someone said to me, oh, Jesus wants us, Jesus is calling me to walk to, well, I don't know what's 80 miles away, something. <laughs> well, place is 80 miles away. I'm walking there, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this. But I, they did it anyways. They did it anyways because they loved God, and they were devout Christians. And so they walked a far ways, and this is where they would go. Um, and But usually, after the second day of Passover, it was okay for Jewish people to, that were traveling to walk back, to start leaving. They didn't have to stay the whole week, because they realized it takes three days. So Mary and Joseph, they assume left after the second day. But as we can see, maybe Jesus wanted to stay behind. Jesus wasn't ready to leave. Jesus, for what, his purpose there was not done yet. Um, and so... And then it says, to, it says in, um, in verse, in, in the verses, can we go back to that slide? Then it says his parents were searching for him um, among, he was searching for him among the caravan that they were staying at, uh, that they were traveling with. Um, and what that caravan is, is a, just a whole bunch of people. They would travel together. So the area around Galilee, the area around Nazareth, where they would all go up together, because they all had to go up for this festival. They would go up together. And they would, for safety. And so some people think it was split between women and men and children could bounce between. Um, and so it would be easy if it was that way to realize, okay, well, Jesus is somewhere. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have, they're not all together as a family, as we would think. Or they're just randomly dispersed throughout. It says they had relatives and friends among the crowd. They realized they were with them. But an important part I want to I wanna catch on this is they didn't question that Jesus was there. They just trusted and you, you, people, I'll talk about that later. Some people are like, well, did he, def- did he defy his parents? Did he? No, he didn't. But it was, the cool thing is you can see, even as a child, just this trust they had in Jesus that, oh, he's not going to make a bed. He's, he's, he's obedient. He's, he's a good kid. We trust him. We don't, as for me, I mean, if I was 12, my mom would be like, uh, heck no, I'm going to make sure he's here because he could be anywhere. Like, he, I, don't, I don't trust him enough to do that, which for good reason. I mean, <laughs> So I was, uh, so they were, so at this point, as they walked a day, and they were about 20, 25 miles out of Jerusalem, they would suppose, because the first day travel, they wouldn't go as far. Um, and then, and then, so they were going around, and they looked, they looked all around for them, and he couldn't find them, and they had no idea where their son was. The son of God was. <laughs> now, they didn't know the full extent of that at the time, I, as you can see later, but they still knew he was special. I mean, I can't even imagine... That I mean, I can imagine losing our kid. I mean, she's she's like five months old, so that would be terrible. 
that, there would be no excuse for that one. It's not like she can wander off. <laughs> but like I, man, I can't even imagine their anxiety, their their nervousness. Like, did we just lose the gift from God? <laughs> like, did, did we just really do this? Um, it, it, that just blows my mind. So then they, um, he went. So with that, I want to sh- t- share a story with you. As a kid, I was a little bit of an escape artist. Um, I would get away from my parents all the time. I mean, I was, I was like between the ages of like a year and a half and two and three years, I would just wander off and do what I wanted. I don't know why, you know, I don't know why I did that. I don't know what happened. Um, but there was a story when we, I lived in South Dakota when I, for like a year when I was 18 months old. And we went to a church. If you've been in South Dakota, you know, it's this long, dead grass, tall, pretty tall. And it's just pastures. There's cows there. There's all these things. And, and, and I'm just, I'm going, we're going to church. I don't even know what church. I don't remember this. And my parents were freaking out. They're like, where's Braden? Where'd he go? I don't, I don't know what happened. And my dad was looking around. And, he, and they stepped outside. And in the distance, my mom said it's about a, I don't know, it was probably about half a mile. It's pretty far. <laughs> I don't know how I ran that far. But you saw my little head. Boink, boink, boink. Out of the tall grass. You could just see the back of my head bouncing up and down, running away. And, and at the, where I was running to was a busy freeway on the other side. And my parents were freaking out. My mom was like, your dad never ran that fast before in his life. I've never seen him run that fast before. And um, for those visual learners, actually, I'm really good at Photoshop. Amazing. I'm amazing at Photoshop. I actually have a picture for this. See, look, I'm just so good. So there I am in the tall grass. You see my little head? There's some cows in the background. I'm just running toward this traffic. I should have Photoshopped my dad in, but I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about that part. I'm not that good, okay, but. Anyways, so I just, it's just crazy. I just remember my dad running so fast. My mom was saying he, they were just so panicked. And I was like, yeah, but can you imagine just that, that panic? Yeah, I imagine. But can you imagine the, how even more panicked they were knowing this is Jesus. This is the one who God said he was set aside important for something. They probably didn't know the full extent, but they still knew. Um, it's just crazy to me. Uh, and now we're going we're to jump to verses 46 through 50. I'm going to read them again. So it says, after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding of the answers. When his parents, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And in verse 49, he says this, favorite part. Where were you, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So here's Jesus. They finally find him after three days. And where is he? In the temple, in his father's house, asking questions of the religious leaders, listening to them. As a kid, I always thought, I don't know why, but whenever I read this, I was like, oh, he's, he's like asking, quit challenging them, like asking him questions like, well, what, doesn't the Old Testament scripture say this? Like, what? But it doesn't, it doesn't really say that. It says he's listening. He's questioning them. He's curious. He wants to have a deeper understanding of who his father is. And I just, that just is a huge thing to me, is I just remember Jesus is showing us right now what it means to be a seeker of God. What it means to seek God to, with everything we have. He's showing us, even at 12 years old, there's a message here that's so powerful. It says Jesus was asking the teachers questions listening to him. Jesus was so hungry to learn and have a deeper understanding of who his father was, of 
the things he always wanted about, to know what the Old Testament scriptures meant. He, he just was always just so curious. And he knew, let's be honest, he knew way more than a 12-year-old. They said that they were astonished by the things and the amazing things he was saying. Like, I don't know about you, when I was a 12-year-old, I, no one was astonished by the things I was saying, like at all. I, Jesus was not a normal 12-year-old. He is amazing, even at this age. Um, and I, I just want to look at this verse. It's Psalm 14.2. It says that the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. God is looking for those who are hungry to learn more about him, hungry to understand more about him. He's hungry. He's, he's looking. He's like, who are these people that are looking for me? And now Jesus says he, it says Jesus asked questions of the teachers. I think this is so important. And I think this is so important because I think so many times we forget to ask questions when we have them. For me, I don't know about you, but I, I personally have a hard time asking questions sometimes because I'm afraid, is that a dumb question? Should I already know this? Am I going to be viewed as a bad Christian because I don't know this answer or because I don't know this theology because I read something in my Bible and I don't understand? No, I don't want, I'll just stick to the things I know and act like I know everything else. Yeah. Am I the only one? No, no, I'm not the only one. It's hard because you don't want to feel vulnerable and don't want to make yourself feel you don't know. But it's okay that we don't know. Jesus, at 12, he didn't know. He was asking questions of them. And it's like, we need to be okay with that. There are people around us that are wise. We, we, we know them. We see them. And we say, wow, you're a wise Christian. You're wise. I just see it. I just see it in some of you. And you're like, I, man, I, should be, I shouldn't be afraid of asking questions. I should be seeking what they're saying. I should be trying to understand more. And I should be desiring to understand God more. We need to be hungry to seek God in understanding when we have a question or confusion. By praying to God first. To say, God, give me understanding. Have any of you guys, before you read your Bible, you read a passage before, and this time you're like, God, open the word to me, let me understand, and you pray, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I, I understand this now. And any of you like, it's just crazy. God, it was, you'll just pray, God, show me this when I'm reading your word, show me this when I'm reading your Bible, and he'll just open it up to you, something new. But when that doesn't happen, let's not be ashamed, let's not be afraid to ask each other questions. Can you say this with me? No question is a dumb question. No question is a dumb question, besides if it is. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, it's not. You're fine. There's no, when it comes to this discovering more about God and spiritual things, no question is a dumb question. Let's do this together. Let's understand God more together. Let's dig deeper in our relationship with him together. The other part of this is Jesus, it said Jesus was listening to the teachers of the law. He was listening and seeking all he could. But now, I think we know this. Jesus is probably not accepting everything that he's probably hearing, right? He's probably listening and filtering out the things he's like, I don't really know. He's not just going to listen blindly, which you shouldn't either. You shouldn't listen to someone who's speaking up here blindly. You should be open to the Holy Spirit and say, God, is this right? Am I being safe? Am I? Don't, don't fall in the trap of man. Just don't listen blindly. But God's saying, but even Jesus is, is demonstrating to us, like, I, you need to be a listener. Seek what God is saying in all, and when, on Sundays, right now, you sh- should be listening to me. Come on. <laughs> listen, but, but listen to what God wants to speak through me. Listen to what God wants to point out in you. When you're on a Sunday sermon, <laughs> so many times as Christians, when we, we get to staleness. Those Christians that have been here for so long, and myself, or whatever, and we just, we just get stale. 
We come to Sunday service like, oh, I heard this before. We read the passage we read 10 billion times, oh, I heard this before. But we need to be listening and say, God, but what do you want to speak new this time? Because there is something new that God wants to speak into your life. He wants to show to you each and every time. There's a way. There's something new he wants to show you. And so let's be listeners. That's, I think it's very important. And next part, and he, it, he says uh, his parents were astonished and asked Jesus, how could he do this to him? Now, I think, I think Mary's pretty upset. I don't think she's like, why could you do this to me? I, I, in my mind, I hear my mom yelling, why did you do this? Like, why did you run away? What, what's going on? Like, just angry. But unlike Jesus, you know, I actually deserve to be yelled at. <laughs> I, I honestly, his answer was, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know? And I really do think it was, he just, he was confused. Like, didn't, didn't you know I had to be here? Like, I, I didn't mean to make you upset. I just, I need to be in my father's house. And, and his parents didn't understand, but there wasn't a defiance there. He wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to run away. I know my parents. I, I think he truly was like, I, I need to be here. I need to be here. Um, and not only is this statement huge, is Jesus showing, at even such a young age, his understanding of who he is. I mean, this is his, the only like, account we have of Jesus as a, kind of a youth like this. But even now we kind of see it's him saying, okay, well, he's my father. I know, he knows who he is. He's starting to understand why he's here for. Um, but why, but another, it also brings about another powerful statement. And I'm going to ask this question, do we direly seek to be in our Heavenly Father's house? Every day. Do we seek to be in His house? What does that mean? That means, do I seek to be close to Him every day? Is there no place I'd rather be than in His presence, than seeking His face, to seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit? Is there no other place in my day-to-day life that I'd rather be? Do I need to constantly be with my Father? Be in his house. And I'm not just talking about church either. I'm talking about every circumstance. When you're at work, when you're driving, when you're eating dinner. What, how do we constantly, we need to seek him. We need to be with him. Uh, Psalm 27, 4 says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And this is my prayer. That's my prayer, that I would need him, that I would want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord every day and meet him in his temple. That's what I want. I need his presence in my life. It's, it's not just I want it, I do, but I need it. I need it. This reminds me of Exodus 33, 11. Uh, Moses, with Moses and Joshua in the tent of meeting, it says this in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. What was Joshua doing? He's like, I, I don't want to leave the presence of the Lord. I'm on my face. I'm, there's no way I'm getting up. I, I need to be here. I want to be here. I don't want to leave this place. I don't want to leave the Lord's side and the Lord's presence. Joshua needed it. We all need it. We all need that desire to say, God, I need you. I need your presence in my life. And I want to be like Moses. I want, to t- I want to meet God face to face. I want him to talk to me like a friend. I want to talk to him like a friend. I want that personal, personal intimate relationship with him. Because he offers it. 
Because I know who I am when I'm not in my father's house. I know the person I am when I'm not there. I think we all, at some, some things do, I'm angry over stupid things. Man, I get angry over dumb things. And I look back, I'm like, that was so dumb. I get stressed over money and worldly things that really gather a stressor, but who cares? My stock's not in this life. It's in the next. I'm insecure about God, who God made me. I'm so insecure. And then, and then one thing is, I was just unconfident. I'm unconfident without the Lord. When I was in high school, I, I wasn't really following the Lord. I, got, I knew him. I, I grew up, but I wasn't really following him. I didn't really know what it meant to follow him. And one thing I played, if, anyone, if any of you played baseball before, a really important part of baseball is confidence. Stepping up to that plate and be like, oh, man, I'm going to hit this ball. I'm going to hit this ball. I'm going to vision it. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to hit it. My coach would always tell me, okay, I want you to close your eyes and picture the ball in zone one, zone two, zone, and we would swing and picture hitting the ball. You know what my problem was? Every time I pictured it, I missed. I was so unconfident. So unconfident in my ability. So And I had, I practiced more than everyone. I did, I worked out every day more than everyone. There was people who I could, I knew in my mind, like I, Man, I have the skill, I have the ability, but I'm so unconfident. And it wasn't until I found the Lord to where I could close my eyes and picture me hitting that ball. And picture me being successful. Because I know in the Lord, I can do all things. And sure, it's not going to happen every time, but man, there's just a confidence that he brings. Because who am I when I'm regularly seeking God? When I'm seeking his Holy Spirit, seeking his presence? I'm filled with joy. That's hard for me. You see me filled with joy? If, if you're around, he's like, oh, he's just happy. Well, you know I've been meeting with the Lord regularly. You know I've been seeking his presence. Because when I'm not, you can tell. I'm loving those around me. I have a sense of an unexplainable peace through storms. And yes, things are hard. Things get to me. And it's still hard. But there's a peace there that just wasn't there before. I'm excited for my day with Jesus. And I'm filled with confidence of who God made me to be. That's who I am. When I seek his face, that's who I am when I meet with him in my father's house continually and make it a priority. But what does that look like? What does that look like to actively seek God in our day-to-day lives, to seek his Holy Spirit leading? What does that mean? And I'm not talking about just like the 30 minutes you spend reading your Bible plan in the morning or the prayer at night, and those are good things, but I'm talking about in the rough times of your day, throughout your whole day, how do you meet with him? How do you let him lead? How do you stay in tune to his Holy Spirit? Because so many times we're walking through work and we're doing, we just forget that he's with us. He's with us. He's with us now. He's with us when we're at work. He's with us when we're sleeping. He's with us all the time. He's accessible at any moment. And so many times we get caught up in saying, well, he's with me in the morning when I read my Bible. He's with me when I'm at church, when I'm worshiping him. And then it's kind of just, he's gone. And we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of that at some level. We just forget. And recently, uh, Dan talked about this a couple weeks ago, was just praising him out loud and praising him with your voice, how important that is. And I just piggyback on that and say, yes, it is. When I'm driving, when you're driving somewhere, when you're driving to work, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. It is 6 a.m. I, I don't want to do this. It's really hard. For those of you who don't know, I work at a uh, group home for teen boys. Man, it's hard. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be cussed at. The boys are going to say this. The boys are... 
And I'm like, just get in my head and be like, you know, I love these boys. It's just really hard. I don't want to be here. Like, oh, I just rather, just rather do this. Just rather do this. And I just put on worship music. I praise them. My God, thank you. Thank you for putting me here. God, give me a, give me a passion for these kids. God, give me a confidence for these kids. Let me seek your spirit. Would you lead me? And just in the car and just praying to him and just worshiping him. Man, just in those times of when I have downtime, just constantly reminded he's there. When I'm at work. When the, dean, when the day seems like forever, when you're there and your boss is being a jerk, <laughs> for some of you, when your coworkers are really annoying, you're like, oh, I'm working with this person today, and, and it's just really hard. What I do is I just, I tell myself, I, I speak to him under my breath throughout the day. It's important. It's important for me. I just say, God, give me peace. God, give me wisdom. God, help me with this. And just short things under my breath, because why? Because it reminds me that he's with me. It reminds me that I'm not alone. It reminds me he'll lead me. And I'm constantly seeking his presence, his Holy Spirit. Say, God, I can't do this without you. Nothing in my day-to-day life I can't do without you. Because if I'm not in your presence, if I'm not in your house, it's probably not good. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's probably not good. So I need him. But find out what works for you. Each of your lives, your day, I don't know all of your lives, I don't know what you walk through, but find what works for you to remind yourself to constantly and desire and seek God in every aspect of your life. But whatever you do, remember to pray and praise often. Read your word. Very important. Read your word. And remember, don't just read it and say, well, I'm going to read it to read it. Read it and expect God's going to speak something new. Listen, just like Jesus did. And remember that he is with you. He's always with you. And constantly be seeking his Holy Spirit's leading and presence in your life. And it's funny. I was writing this sermon. Uh, it was, I was finishing it up. And it was, it was this week. And I was at a coffee shop. And I was like, yeah, Lord, this is really challenging me. Like, Lord, I, I just, I'm excited. I just, want to pray, I just want to praise you. I just want to serve you, God. I want, to, I want your Holy Spirit to lead me throughout all aspects. I want you to be, I want to be available for you to speak to me whenever. Like, whenever. Now, if you say that, be ready. Because <laughs> that's, I, every time I do that, it's scary. Because as soon as I walked out of that coffee shop, there's a guy sitting there with his hands down and just going like this. He's probably like uh, 30, 40, uh, somewhere in between their age. And I was walking, and I, I walked past him. And I was going to go to go to the cafeteria area or whatever just to see what they had. And, and God was like, oh, I need you to go pray for him. But at first, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All what I'll do is I'll walk a long way around, and hopefully he's gone. Or if he's not in that position again, I'll just move on. So I walk all the way around and come back down the middle aisle, about to leave the door. And he's sitting there, he's texting on his phone. I was like, oh, see, he's texting. He's fine. And I walk out to my car. So I'm sitting in the parking lot of my car. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I can't. I literally just said this to you. And the first time you tell me to do it, I'm like, I'm scared on my mind. I'm like, I can't do this. And. I said, God, I'm going to do it. I said, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to let your Holy Spirit, I'm going to say, I'm going to do what I say to you. I'm not just going to say it. It's going to be empty words. When I say I'm going to follow your Holy Spirit leading, I'm going to do it. And so I went back. He was still there. asked to pray for him. He's like, yeah, I really needed that. And we got a good talk, and I invited him to the ice cream. He's not here right now, but maybe second service, I'm hoping. But God just, he used me to touch his life, and it's, it's not even, it's just, he used me because I was open, and I was like, God, I want to meet, I need your presence in my life. And when you say that, not only does he grant you the peace, does he grant you the wisdom, does he grant you the joy, but he also going to use you. 
He's also going to use you mightily. And I don't know about you, but it's scary. But afterwards, to just know, like, man, God used me. Me. Who, like, who am I? But he used me to touch someone's life today because I was open. Man, that's just the best feeling in the world to say, man, I did that. And God did it for, through me. It was crazy. So let's be people who have to be in our Father's house. Amen? We have to. There's no other choice. We have to. Our lives depend on it. Because we don't, I don't like who I am without it. All right. Let's move on. Luke 51, 52. It says this. Oh, it says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So the crazy thing is, as I see here, is just Jesus' submission to his parents. Just, man, just that submission, that heart of just being submitted and not having to be great and be awesome because Jesus, I mean, as we can see earlier, he knew, he started to know who he was. He knew, he's like, I had to be in my father's house, I know who I am. But yet, what he did when he, he just left with his parents and stayed obedient to them. He's just obedient. And, I, and yes, our children should be obedient to their parents and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm just talking about submission to everyone. Being submitted to the people who are leading us, who are around us, that are ahead of us, that maybe sometimes we don't agree with, sometimes we don't like, sometimes we're like, why is this person ahead of me? Why is this person making decisions? Like, I know better. I know what's right. I've done this more. Like, I would make the decisions for God. This person's not, blah, 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 blah. But you, we're submissive. We submit. That's who we are. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. This is really hard for me to do. But uh, there's people in charge of me, you know, at my, at my work, and I'm like, oh, man, like, they're not Christian. Like, they care about the kids. They're amazing with the kids. But, man, some of the things they put in the house, the rules they put in the house, the way they talk to the kids, I'm like, oh, I do not agree with that. But I trust they're above me, and God has them above me for a reason. I trust it. Even if I don't, I don't want to make excuses for it. I just, I'm going to submit. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the best I can be and love these kids as well as I can. I'm going to submit. I'm not going to try to rise up. I'm not going to try to be better. You know, and that's, that's the one thing is sometimes I feel like it's hard to submit and not be in charge because we're like, well, if I just submit and don't ever stand up and fight and, and be in charge, you know, I, I'm just not going to show anyone that I can do it. I want to show people I can do it. I want to show people I, I, I have what it takes. I want to show people these things. But God, if you submit to those, God will raise you up on his timing. God will grant you favor on his timing. If even, maybe you'll be submitted forever, but God will grant you favor. For me in the house, I just sat there and I was like, I submit to you. I know your heart for the kids. I don't, and I didn't even say this to him. I just know my heart. I just take my grievances to God. I say, God, man, I don't like the way this is happening. Just give me peace and grace about it and help me walk through this. And you know what God does? Right now, I've just barely started working there, but he's granting me favor my boss loves me. He thinks I'm awesome. He asked me things. To, he asked me my opinions of what we should do in the house. He start, God has started to rise me up and grant me favor in the sight of man and God. And what did Jesus do? He, all he was was obedient to his parents. That's all he said. And what happened? God, God grew him in favor with man. That's what happened. And so instead of us having to be in charge, let's, we gotta, it challenges me. It's just like, let's submit and just say, God, I submit to this. Rise me up if you want to. Bring me favor in this area if you want to. 
I'm submitted to those who are ahead of me or around me, even if I don't agree. I'm, I'm tired of taking charge and being that one person. And I think it's so important. And ultimately, we're submitted to God. We're submitted to God, and this is what I want to end on, is just we're, we're submitted to you, Jesus. We're submitted to you to change our lives. We're submitted to him. We're saying, okay, we're letting go of these reins that we have on the horse. We're saying, God, lead us. It's not my life. It's yours. We're submitted to you. And part of seeking God is being submitted to God. If you're seeking him and you're seeking his will for your life and you're seeking what he wants to do in you, you have to be submitted to him. He's our number one. We're submitted to you. Because so many times we're, we're comfortable let, holding the reins until it gets to a certain point, like go of the reins until it gets to a certain point. And we're like, oh, wait, hold on. No, no, I don't like this. Let me take it back and then I'll let go again. So being God, no, I'll trust you. And no matter what, I'm submitted to you in every way. And so that's my heart cry that we would be submitted to our Father and that we would seek him regularly, that we would desire above anything else to seek his face, to seek his presence, and to understand more about him. And I see it so clearly in this message that Jesus is teaching us this at a young age, to be a listener, to be a seeker, to understand God, to be like, God, I need your presence, I need to be in your house daily, to be, have that desire, and then to submit. Submit to God and those around us, even when it's hard. Will you guys stand with me and worship team can come on up? If you're able. You know, it's so easy. It's so easy for me. And Dan's, Dan's like transition time, it was so, I was like, man, that's, that's so good. Because it's so easy, easy for me to live a Christian religious life without desire and hunger to seek God. It is so easy for me to go through the motion and say like, man, God, I, I'm doing the things, I'm, mini- I'm, I'm going to church, I'm ministering, I'm reading my word, but my true heart's desire, my true heart is just not right. It just happens. And there's times I'm like, oh God, I, I need to get my heart straight. I need to get my eyes on you. I need to seek you to a new level. Make my desire only you. And I want to please him. I want to please him. And that's always my heart. And there was a time, there was a time not too long ago where my heart was to please him. But I was so busy and I was doing ministry and I was like, well, God, I'm doing ministry. You know, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And just got caught up in the religious routine. But what's important is my desire to seek him. My desire to know him. My relationship with him has to be above everything else. Above my religion. Above going to church on Sundays. Above my entertainment in my life above popularity and high praises? Who cares? Yeah, I want to go to church. Yeah, I want to serve him. But number one priority, God, I want to seek you. I want to be a seeker and desire to be in your presence. I want to be like Joshua that just can't leave, that just has to be with you, that has to be near. So my question is for you, how many of you today need to make that commitment? In your heart, how many of you today see, God, I need a heart change. God, I need to seek you and only want to desire you. God, I want that, but I just, I just don't know how. If that's you today, just ask for it. Just ask for it. 
So Lord, we choose to seek you today. With our reading of our word, we're not afraid to ask dumb questions. We're not afraid to, to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, we want to seek you more. We, want to de- we desire to learn more about you, to more about your kingdom, the more about your nature, the more about your loving kindness, the more about your grace. And Lord, we need your presence in our lives. Lord, we need to be in your house. We need to seek your presence daily in every aspect of our lives because, God, we know who we are without you. We're broken people, but with you, we are whole. With you, we are victorious. With you, there is nothing that can hold us down. There is nothing that can stop us from seeking you, nothing that can stop us from feeling your presence and your joy and your love and your hope that you give us. Only you, Jesus. And some of us need that this morning. God, would you just instill a hope, God, in these people? And would you just feel your presence would just come powerfully in their lives? That, God, when we walk through the streets, when we walk to our work, God, that we would be open to your Holy Spirit's leading. We'd be open to seek your word, to seek you face to face. We'd be people that love you. And, Lord, lastly, I pray that we would be submitted to those people you put ahead of us, those people that are even hard for us to follow. But God, we choose to submit to them. We say, God, raise us up. Give us favor if you want, when you want. We trust you. We let our leading, we submit to you in every aspect of our life. You are our God. You are our Father. We submit to you and your will be done in our lives. And Lord, I thank you there is nothing we can do to deserve your love more. We're not doing this. We're not seeking you. We're not finding understanding. So like, oh, well, we can please you. We, we, can, we can find, you can like us. You can love us more. God, you love us where we're at. There's nothing more we can do to earn your love. Your love for us is already infinite. But Lord, we choose to seek you because we need to and because we want to. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you. We love you. We thank you. And God, we choose to praise you this week. God, transform our lives. Speak to us. Let us not leave here the same. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in our Father's house.